Our God is an awesome God. Shout to the Lord all the earth and let us sing. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. Waymaker, miracle worker, Jesus. Good morning, church. Welcome to Riverside. I'm so excited all of you are here because today you get to hear from my friend, Jovan Barrington. Some of you may remember that Jovan joined us virtually for our Peacemaker series back during the summer of 2020. And he was such an incredible blessing to our church during that time. Jovan is the senior minister for the Littleton Church of Christ in Littleton, Colorado. And today, he's going to be sharing from one of our favorite songs to sing here at Riverside, a song called Living Hope. This worship song released in 2017 has been an incredible blessing to the church. And it reminds us of the hope that we have in Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus. We have unparalleled hope because Jesus rose from the grave. So Riverside family, please make welcome my friend Jovan and get ready to lean in, to take notes, and to grow as a disciple of Jesus. We're at this preaching event, and so we're just sharing about how we're getting into this new work, and we were excited for one another. And Corey's a guy whose family lives in Montgomery, Alabama. I was raised in Dothan, Alabama, just two hours south of Montgomery, and Corey's a guy that you know would say War Eagle. I'm a guy that says Roll Tide for all you Alabama fans out there. And so uh, Grayson knows what I'm talking about. And so, you know, for us, that's the only football there is. But I know I'm in the great state of Texas. I do appreciate this state. It's the first time I had smoked brisket, you know, was from Texas. And I was like, I thought there was only pork barbecue, but you guys do brisket well. Uh, I have yet to try it on my new pellet smoker that I got for my birthday this summer, but I can't wait to make my own like brisket or some people call it like tri-tip or something like that. That's maybe just another region. I don't know, but uh, y'all, y'all just, y'all just pray for me that I don't mess it up, you know, when we get some good brisket at home. But anyways, I'm really excited about the message I'm bringing you today, this message about living hope. And I'm going to share with you about real hope. But that, that message, Living Hope, that song was something that personally connects with me. I love this series because that song by Phil Wickham has gotten me through a lot of things. You know, you all ever have a song you just put on and it just is kind of like your anthem. You know, you just kind of get you through what you're going through. Well, that's what that song is for me. Um, I share good well, well wishes for my wife, Anna, and my three daughters who are 13 11 and 9 years old, and they're, I, I got it right, don't ask me their birthdays. No, I'm a pretty good dad. I think I could get two out of three. Um, for some of you guys that got a larger family, you know what I'm talking about, so don't shame me up here. All right, but I love my kids, and we were just texting each other like, when do you get back today? They're worshiping there at Littleton, and so I just appreciate Anna allowed me to come, and for Corey and Zach, got one word to say about Zach. I don't know if you know, Zach was one of our worship interns. He says it's like six years ago. And so Zach is an exceptional human being. I think you should be very proud to have Zach here leading worship for you. We found him to have the utmost character and work ethic and a great vocal. So uh, can I give it up for Zach and the worship team? Man, these guys did an amazing job this morning. Uh, Philip Yancey in his book, 
Where is God when it hurts? He talks about a PBS documentary called Dying in which the producer Michael Bomer follows around a couple of families who've been given a poor prognosis with cancer. Their loved one is dying. And it gives this juxtaposition between a family that doesn't have any hope and a family that has some. In fact, Michael Bomer says this about dying. He says, people die in the way that they have lived. Death becomes the expression of everything you are and you can bring it. Bring to it only what you have brought to your life. So there's these two Boston families and they're showing the extremes of despair and hope. And in one of the families, there's a man named Bill. He's 33 years old and he's dying of cancer. He is going to die and they're struggling with this failure of nerve as they see death approaching. And one scene, Harriet, Bill's wife, is anxious about her own future without her husband. And she says, the longer this is dragged out, the worse this is going to be for all of us, she tells him. And he answers, what happened to the sweet girl that I married? She says, well, the sweet girl that you married is being tortured by cancer. I mean, who's going to want a widow with two young boys? I don't wish my husband dead, as she turns to the interviewer. But if he's going to go, could he just go now? In the last weeks of their life together, you see their trust and love being shattered because of their inability to embrace this future with hope. The specter of death looms too large. But the response of Reverend Bryant, he's a 56-year-old dying pastor of a black Baptist church, provides an amazing contrast for us. He says, right now I'm living some of my greatest moments. I don't think Rockefeller could be happier as I am. If y'all don't know who that is, I don't think Elon Musk would be happier than I am. And the camera crew records Reverend Brian as he preaches to his congregation about death, as he opens up the word of God and reads to his grandchildren, as he goes and visits some relatives at his birthplace. And he displays this calm serenity, this non-anxious presence, even in the midst of his suffering. And he has this confidence that he is merely heading home to a place without pain. And at his funeral, the Baptist choir sings, he's asleep. And the mourners file past his coffin. Some of them bend over to gently kiss him on the forehead and others pat his chest. It's like they're losing a beloved friend, but not forever, just for a little while because they believe that Reverend Bryant faces a beginning, not an end. Once a child was asked, what are parents for? And the child said, they hope for you. And I think Reverend Bryant's story shows a congregation that hopes for each other. I think the illustration of parents that hope for you are what we are to be for one another. That we are to be people who build each other up and encourage one another with hope. N.T. Wright says that the church should be dealers of hope. That we deal out and dispense hope for people who need it desperately. Like, like we are witnesses of hope because we have seen hope. That hope isn't just optimism because positive thinking isn't going to get you through what you're going through. Positive thinking isn't going to get you through your pain and suffering to the other side. No, positive thinking doesn't really walk with you, but real hope does. I remember my mother died of cancer in 2007, and I, I remember going to 
the doctor's office with her in Birmingham, Alabama. We were visiting the oncologist, and I was full of hope that morning. I thought that we were going to receive news that all of the treatments and all of our prayers and everyone who was wishing my mother well, that it would clear up her body from stage four cancer. But the doctor put upon the wall my mother's lungs and showed all of the nodes that were in there and said they were too numerous to even count. And he gave us a timeline. And I had a lot of questions for the doctor. Is there anything else that we can do? Maybe, maybe this is wrong. You've been wrong before. Or doctors have been wrong. And, and I had other questions for him. Are there any, any kind of experimental treatments that we could do for my mother? Any kind of clinical studies that we could get her into? And I had a lot of questions, a lot of questions. My mother, she didn't have any. She accepted what the doctor said and and we went out together. And I remember walking through those cold, sterile hospital corridors. It was one of those skywalks between two buildings and all the, all the things. You know what I mean? Church, like all the things just came to me at once as overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, thinking about the absence of my mother and how she was going to be taken too soon. And I began to just cry out with anger and frustration, with disappointment. And with my grief and sorrows and pain, I just was crying in the middle of this hallway. I was undone. I couldn't keep it in anymore. And my, my mother stood calm and resolute, and she grabbed me with only the strength that a mother could. She grabbed me by my two shoulders. She looked me in the eye. She said, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be okay. And she said, never, never turn away from your faith. Never stop believing. And I remember the words of my mother. Maybe you've had a pivotal time in your life where someone spoke hope into you. Uh, someone who was going through something terrible for their life was someone who gave you hope. Maybe you have a grandparent or a loved one or maybe you've experienced that. Or maybe you've been on the other side as well where you've lost someone or experienced someone who was going through death but had little to no hope and the pain still lingers in you. But I want to give you something that can carry you through it's real hope because some of us are anxious and afraid. We've been through a, a hard season of life. COVID was no joke. For my church, we lost a pastor because of COVID. For my church, we lost loved ones. We couldn't visit them. We couldn't go in the hospital, right? And many people lost out on business opportunities. People lost friends. People lost loved ones. Either they died or they just disappeared. You know what I'm saying? There's probably some people you're still trying to connect with that are ghosting you because of what happened in our isolation. I've heard someone explain that we are in like a communal trauma together. It's the reason why you forget simple things. It's the reason why you don't find joy in the things you once found joy in. It's why you've let go of some hobbies. It's, it's why you've put on a little weight. It's, it's all the things, right? It's because you're experiencing this trauma together, then you don't know how to put it in words and you don't know how to find your way out. And I want to give you hope today. Not positive thinking that things will get better, no, but this real hope that gets you through hard times and prepares you for what's gonna happen next. Come on, somebody, because listen, life is life. It is what it is. And as soon as you get through one thing, there's another thing around the corner. And sometimes it comes in pairs. Can I have a witness this morning, right? Because with your physical sickness comes financial difficulties. And with your financial difficulties comes marital problems. And with marital problems, comes people abandoning the church it just happens but I'm here to tell you you don't have to be that way you could be somebody who has this real hope 
Because God had a real hope and a real love for us. He sent his one and only son to come upon this earth. And real hope is a real person. Real hope is a real historical figure. Real hope has a name and real hope has given us a real resurrection. So for people who have faith in Jesus Christ, we live in this world with hope knowing that there is something better. The resurrected Lord is better. The way of Jesus is better. Uh, Jesus makes us better at this life, and we're better for it, for following him. Real hope is in Jesus. Why am I preaching about hope in Capel, Texas? Well, because W.A.L.Well says that our present hurts and our uncertainty over what the future holds creates for us a constant need for hope. Listen, you may be struggling because you might be one of those people who are overly positive or like, you know, a cup half full kind of person. I think we need that kind of person in our life. My wife is like that. The way she handles things is different than how I handle them. And so I lean upon her for those joyous moments. Like she can see joy in the middle of sorrow. That has her go-to instinct. For me, it's a little bit different. I mean, for me, it hits different. And so sometimes in this world, if we're struggling with how does this connect with us, well, then maybe you can connect with the things that happen in this world, such as worldwide poverty or death and destruction, the violence and terrorism that we find in our nation and then also in other countries. Like there's a a longing for something better that historically people have looked to the future with a mixture of this longing and fear. And many people in this world need hope because some people think, some people think that hope is actually destructive for a person's life. Like why in the world would you ever think that things could be better for an individual because of all the things that happen, the onslaught of the pain and suffering that happen in this world? I think of Shawshank Redemption where Andy's character, Andy Dufresne, is is talking to Red and and is describing to him about hope. And Red says, uh, hope is a dangerous thing. Both these men locked up in prison for life. Hope is a dangerous thing because it just lets people down, just destroys a man's life because it never comes to fulfillment for them. But the Christian hope is different. Scripture relates that the people who think that the world is hopeless or that you're hopeless are people who are godless. That godless doesn't, God doesn't exist in the world to someone who doesn't have any hope. But scripture says that we can find real hope in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12, the apostle Paul writes to the church and says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, Can you say this with me? Can you say what's highlighted with me? Uh, uh, Without hope and without God in the world. Repeat that after me. Without hope and without God in the world. Without hope and without God in the world. I I don't know. Actually, it is. It is highlighted yellow. I'm sorry. Uh, At my church, it's always highlighted yellow. But you guys did a great job, okay? Uh, Highlighted yellow, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Today's message is born not only out of my own sorrow and pain, but my own personal convictions. It comes also from having empathy with the world's sorrow and with the world's pain. You want to, as a church, connect with Nathan and what they're doing in Greece. You want to connect not only with his work, but with the people and the stories there. You want to connect not only with the victories, but also the failures too. For the people whose prayers weren't answered. We, we glory and praise for the people whose prayers were answered in a way that we find favorable. But what about the person who didn't receive that? And so we groan with them. 
See, we connect with the world's sorrows and pains, but from a place of joy and hope, a place of a a persevering type of hope. And this message is born out of what I think is quite possibly our greatest need is that we need something of substance. We need something everlasting. But in hard times, our, our sin and suffering, in the midst of our sorrows and shame, We try to find something to survive on and latch on to anything. And and that's false hope. Like we latch on to uh, our wealth and our possessions. We we latch on to maybe leveraging some relationships. We latch on to uh, our next job opportunity. Or or we latch on to an endless life of leisure and entertainment. Uh, We try and find something to get us through when all the while Jesus says, I'm here for you. And that's the false hope that doesn't deliver us. And when we live with false hope, we attempt to avoid pain and discomfort at all costs. We don't want any of that, so we need this real hope in hard times. And you might be thinking, Javon, when you say hard times, that's really general. What makes hard times so hard? Well, the hard times are made hard because of the pain that we experience therein. Like generally speaking, we, we fear how we will feel when we fear. Like we, we, we would rather be unhappy than, than uncomfortable. We would rather be unhealthy than responsible. We'd rather be victims than reaching out for help from someone. I mean, why do we fear disease? We don't necessarily fear disease. We fear the pain of disease. I mean, what's so horrible about a painless disease, right? Because pain can be our hell, but what if we're living in a painless hell? Well, Philip Yancey writes about this in a book he co-wrote with Dr. Brand. Dr. Brand did some revolutionary studies in Louisiana on people who had leprosy. If you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy attacks the pain cells in your extremities, in your hands, and your feet. Like you have the inability to feel anything. And the people suffer because of this defective pain system. It's a cruel disease, and it's different than most other diseases. It works as an anesthetic, like people just don't feel things they're supposed to feel. So Dr. Brandon pioneered his research in India and brought it back to Louisiana. And he noticed some things that happen to patients when they have leprosy. They damage their extremities because they can't feel the pain. Like one of his patients who was working out in the garden and there was a nail sticking out of the hoe handle and it cut into his flesh and dug in and tore it open. And the patient had no idea. Or about the young emaciated kid who was able to break a lock open that had a key stuck in it because he was able to exert force harder than a regular human being because the key broke into his skin down to the bone. Or about the other patient whose friend dropped his potato out of the fire and was baking his potato and he reached down and he grabbed it and experienced second degree burns on his hands because he couldn't feel the pain. The people were injuring themselves because they couldn't feel pain. And so Dr. Brand tried to fix the problem by, by putting these sensors on people's hands and on, on their feet and so that they could feel pressure. And when they felt pressure, the device that was attached to them would signal an alarm. Hey, you're putting too much pressure on your hands. Stop. But people do what people do. They bypass the alarm and they just keep doing what they were doing, damaging their extremities further. And so Dr. Brand thought instead of an alarm, that I'll put electrodes to the sensitive parts of the person's body to where when they're exhibiting a lot of force and pressure in their hands, that it would give them an electric shock. See, 
At first, he tried to bypass what God had designed in human beings, pain. But really, pain is what prevented them from destructive damage. See, the inability to feel was destroying their body. But what Dr. Brand discovered in the process was people need pain. In fact, he discovered that pain was a gift. That's right. I mean, it may be the gift that nobody wants, but it's a a gift. And Dr. Brand said it this way. He said, thank God for inventing pain. I don't think I could have done a better job. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Isn't that interesting, right? But the problem with pain is that it just can't be switched off sometimes, can it? And a life without pain might mean that we've resigned ourselves to hopelessness it may mean that we've resigned to helplessness it may mean that we've grown numb like we've self-medicated we don't want to feel what we feel and when you go through life being numb and trying not to feel what you feel then you won't be able to experience the love that God has for you like you can numb yourselves to pain but then the side effect is you become apathetic you numb yourself to love. You distant yourself from others. You remove yourself from community because you don't want to feel what you feel. You see, in hard times, we don't want to numb ourselves. We want to live with the pain because the pain allows us to find real solutions and real hope. How do we find those solutions? That real hope in hard times. Well, the Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 8. Will you stand with me at the reading of God's word? I want to read to you Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. God's word says this. This is the word of God for the people of God. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Can you say this with me? For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We Do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also 
glorified. This is a reading from the Word of God, Romans chapter 8. If you believe in God's Word, say, I believe in the Word of God. Come on, somebody say, I trust in the name of Jesus. All right, thanks, church. You may have a seat. Thank you so much. I think what Paul's writing about is this pain and suffering that the whole world experiences and, and that God is not surprised by because God allowed his son to walk through it. And God wants you to know that your pain and your suffering is not trivial to him. He knows what you have experienced because he has sent his son to walk through it with you. And that our pain and suffering aren't trivial. They're not something that divides us. They're actually something that, it's something that connects us. We're united in pain together. We're united with all the pain and suffering of the earth. Did you see where Paul writes that everything is groaning in expectation of Christ's return? That, you know how the world seems frustrated with itself and at war with itself? I mean, that's evidence of sin and destruction in our world. But yet the pain in our world can cause us as humanity and as followers of Jesus to come together with a common place that we all groan together for things to be made right in this world. We all want justice and suffering to end. And hard times, according to Paul, they're not commas. I mean, they're not periods in our story. They're commas. That hard times are not defeat. They are dependence. That suffering is not despair for us. Hard times are not the end for us. That we can surely say that what we're experiencing is bad, but with real hope, God is good. That real hope moves us from resignation to renewal. That when there is no hope for the future, there's no power for the present. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. Because hard times that we experience now don't compare, according to Paul, with what we will experience in Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. Like we're people who know what it's like to go through difficult situations, difficult relationships, difficult prognosis, pain and suffering in our lives. And we know that God can pull us through, can guide us through, that we follow Jesus all the way. And so this makes us tour guides and not travel agents. This is something that I like to tell my congregation. Like we're not pointing people in a place that we've not gone ourselves. Like instead we're guiding them through the valley. We're guiding someone and giving them hope to make it through. And we're preparing them with the principles that Jesus Christ teaches us so that they can be ready for the next valley that comes. Like being a Christian isn't about being on the mountaintop and that's the only place that God can transform your life. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of the desert. He's the God in the waterless places. He becomes that oasis for you. But as you walk through, you think, I'm never going to get a drink of water. As you walk through, you think, I'm never going to get any reprieve. As you walk through, I'm not going to get any rest, Lord. But that's one thing that God promises you, that in the middle of all that, you will receive what you need to make it through. Like the children of Israel, when they were walking through the desert, that God gave them manna from heaven, that God gave them quail, that God parted the sea for them, that God destroyed Pharaoh's army for them. This is what God does for you. The song we sang, we see the goodness of God in our lives. And we put that in our hearts like Mary treasured the deep things said to her about Jesus so that when those hard times came, when he was on the cross, she remembered all the things that people said about Jesus and she believed in them. Would you be the same today? Would you believe in what God has done for you and what God is going to do through you? St. Augustine says, everywhere a greater hope is preceded by great suffering. Now, here's where we see that according to Jesus. Jesus says, we see that with a woman who is going through labor. 
He says that in John 16 in his gospels. He says that the world will grieve, but you will rejoice. It's like a woman who in labor pains is suffering through it. But when the child is born, then there is joy that enters into our lives. That is what your pain will bring with faith in Jesus, a greater joy that surpasses the great suffering. Real hope is in Jesus and the resurrected followers of Christ are also resurrected today. So today you can live that resurrected life. It's a part of your vision here to live differently, right? Like Pastor Reverend Bryant did for his Baptist church to live differently than Bill and Harriet were living. To live different because you have a greater hope. You're not resigned to despair. You will one day have a bodily resurrection. That's not an escapist view. That's a real view of life so that you can connect in real ways to people who are experiencing real pain. You won't trivialize it. You won't dismiss it. You'll connect because you'll say, I've been there. And if you can't be there, you say, I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you because God is with you. He's Emmanuel. He came to live with us. He never left. God is with us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as they come up, here is just the one truth that I want you to know is that in hard times, turn to Jesus. In hard times, turn to Jesus. That where you don't know where to go, you just turn to Jesus. You know what that means? Is that no matter what happens to you, that you have a hope that you can share with someone else. No matter what's happened to you, that he is with you. The Holy Spirit speaks words of truth over your life that you couldn't formulate, but you can through Jesus. Romans 8 verses 37 through 39 says this, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, the word says, nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In hard times, turn to Jesus and hard times unite us with the communal pain of the world and hard times unite us with the living God of hope. And there's nothing, church, listen, Riverside, there's nothing that can separate you from that. God loves you that much. He loves you that much. In fact, I wanna leave you with this one passage before I go. Let's stand together. And I wanna leave you with this. It's the words of Paul. It's the words of Paul. He says in Romans 15 and verse 13, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the church say amen. Amen.